Welcome to episode 73 of the I Want to Party with Bob Bobcast. And this is the first episode for the month of Bobtober. Yes, they're back. The spooky, scary, and all-around Halloween-y themed episodes for the entire month of Bobtober. October. October. Whatever. I make the rules here. Bobtober it shall be from here on out. This is the second Bobtober, in fact. Actually, yeah, very exciting. Very exciting. Last Bobtober in 2019, saw the very first episode in the Misfits series, the Misfits and Danzig series. Remember that? There was an episode all about the Haunted Mansion, kind of the history and story of the Haunted Mansion. There was an episode on the history of the Whaley House in San Diego, supposedly the most haunted house in the United States. And I did my very, very first Halloween special. Wow, I was a child back then, a mere podcast child. Starry-eyed, reaching for the stars, and or whatever. Uh, now I'm a little bit more cynical, that's for sure. I did have a fucking blast doing those episodes. I've been looking forward to starting the next Bobtober series ever since the last one ended back in 2019. This shit is absolutely my favorite part of doing this goddamn podcast. Ugh, fucking things like worse than a job. But I do have fun doing it for sure. Halloween is my favorite holiday, hands down. The subject matter that I cover during Bobtober, the ghost stories, the horror movie stuff, the scarier, the spookier, the better as far as I'm concerned. Let's go. Let's get to it. We've got a lot to do in this episode because this episode is volume two or part two of the ghost stories series. Yes, do you remember volume one of the Ghost Story series back in August of this year? An atrocious August, as I called it? Yes, very scary stuff. Do you remember Davy and Garrett's stories, especially? Oh, fuck. All the stories in that last Ghost Stories episode were incredible. Absolutely great. Loved every single one of them. But Davy and Garrett's stories scared the fucking living shit out of me. Absolutely, without a doubt. Now, here we are with volume two. I think these stories are just as scary, creepy, kind of ghosty. Yes, ghosty. As last time, maybe even better. I don't know. We're going to see. We'll find out. Stay tuned and find out for sure. In this volume two of the Ghost Story series, we've got stories from Billy Liar, Ryan Disney, Jesse Wagner of the bands The Agrolites and UXB, Amanda Paulson of the Pretty Effin Spooky blog and YouTube channel, Fernando Cruz of like uh, 10 million bands and also a very good friend of mine for the last 20-something years. Mitch Wilson of the band No Knife. Greg Hetson, formerly of Bad Religion, currently in the Reformed Circle Jerks and more, I believe. And last but not least, Ron Martinez of Final Conflict and the Lower Class Brats. That's a star-studded lineup, I would say, right? I think so. I will say a little bit about each teller of these terrifying tales before their respective stories start. Not only are you going to hear a ghoulishly good story, you are also going to get to know each contributor to this episode a little bit better. That's right. Fun and educational. That's Bobtober on the Bobcast or October on the podcast. Don't be fun and just roll with a Bobtober on the Bobcast. That's what I'm doing. Like I said, I do think every story in this episode is fucking absolutely incredible in its own way. They're all a little bit different. Some of them are tied together. It gets really interesting. You'll see. I'm stoked on this. Absolutely fucking stoked. And here's the thing. Just like the last Ghost Stories episode, 
If you vote on your favorite story in this episode, you can win a prize package. That's right. Whichever story is your favorite, kind of scariest, most interesting, whatever, if you let me know over the next two weeks after this episode comes out, which one of these stories kind of does it for you, is your favorite, you will have a chance to win prizes from this episode's sponsors, by the way, Discount Cemetery and Wicked Monster Workshop. Never fear, we are going to be hearing from Discount Cemetery and Wicked Monster Workshop in this episode, so you'll know how to purchase all of the fine goods from both of those merchants of the macabre. Yes, indeed, as well as possibly winning some of those goods if you do vote. Now, speaking of merchants, it is time now for the... Bear of the Episode! The beer of the episode, Bob Tober style. This episode's beer from Beyond the Grave is the Plan 9 Alehouse Awkward Social Zombies IPA. This is a hazy IPA made with Citra, Simcoe, and Sabro hops. Clawing its way out of the grave at 6.8% alcohol by volume. Let's see if this one has what it takes to raise the dead of my taste buds. That's that's fucking delicious. Uh, very smooth for an IPA. I would say it does have that kind of IPA aftertaste kind of bite, but initially going down, extremely smooth. Oh, yeah, that definitely did uh, resurrect my taste buds. I would say another victory for Plan 9 Alehouse, the finest makers of beer in the entire world in my book. Yes, indeed. How might you get your claws on this beer you might ask well you can enjoy this fine beer by visiting plan nine alehouse at 155 east grand avenue in downtown escondido california you can call plan nine alehouse at 760-489-8817 or visit them on the internet at www.plan9alehouse.com plan nine alehouse does have new extended hours they're open for takeout delivery and outdoor dining Tuesday through Thursday from 3 p.m. to 7 p.m., Friday and Saturdays from 12 p.m. to 8 p.m. If you have a chance, I would definitely say stop by Plan 9. They have added a bunch of super cool stuff to the location. Records. Plan 9 Alehouse is carrying records, right? Music that you listen to, records, and a bunch of Super 7 action figures. And I fucking love those things. I do. I have three on the wall behind me right now. I'm looking at them right now. Three Misfits ones, by the way. And yeah, the records, the records that Plan 9 put in stock, every Misfits record you could ask for, plus a couple of Sawen records that are boots, of course. They're none of them. The original Sawen records are fucking super expensive and kind of hard to find. He's got boots, super rad. A ton of punk rock stuff, rock and roll stuff. I was leafing through the vinyl selection last week. In fact, I was very, very impressed. Plan 9 doing it right, that's for sure. Incredible stuff happening at Plan 9 Alehouse besides the already amazing beer and food selections. Check it out. One last thing before we get going, really get started with this episode. The music that's in this episode between the stories. Every song, just like kind of part one of the Ghost Story series, has something to do with ghosts. Kind of, sort of. I'll explain more as we get to those songs. There's a key thing here, though. Three of the four songs in this episode were in some way, shape, or form 
made by the ghost story tellers of this episode. Fuck yeah. We've got Billy Liar with the song The Ghosts of Punk Rock. That's up first. Then the song Night Marchers by the band UXB, of which Jesse Wagner is a singer. Hitman Dreams by the band No Knife, which Mitch Wilson was the singer and guitarist and kind of is, sort of. Yeah, kind of an interesting situation. The very last song in the episode is a cover of the Psychedelic First song, The Ghost in You, performed by a band called Dear Boy. And they are a fucking incredible band. I'll say a little bit more about them later. So great. And that song, definitely not my usual punk rock stuff that I'm playing, but holy Jesus Christ. Yeah, they're incredibly good. Really good. Well, here we go. Let's get this episode rolling with a few words from Discount Cemetery, then a song by Billy Liar, and on to the stories. Stay tuned. Did you know that vampires have very strict dental hygiene regimens? Yes, we vampires clean our teeth three times a day. Why? It prevents bat breath. (laughs) Well, the cool creeps of Discount Cemetery may not clean their fangs three times a day, because they are too busy making the fearsomely finest in horror, sci-fi, and vintage wear that money can buy. T-shirts, outerwear, the Gravely Femme line, vintage jerseys, and more can be found at www.discountcemetery.com. Visit the Discount Cemetery website today where you won't get bit by high prices or low-quality clothing and accessories Know just the best in blood-suckingly beautiful clothing and accessories this side of Transylvania. You can count on Discount Cemetery for deals that would drag Dracula out of his coffin at midday. That's something you can take to the blood bank, believe me. When you do order from Discount Cemetery, be sure to use the code PARTYWITHBOB at checkout for an additional 20% off your total order That's a deal you can really sink your teeth into. Remember, visit www.discountcemetery.com today and browse the amazing selection of goods. I personally recommend the Bloodbath shirt myself, though it does make me very hungry. Yes, Discount Cemetery, you don't need an invitation in to take home the finest goods that would even make a 500-year-old vampire look and feel as if they were a mere 150 years old. I command you to do it today. I'm at Gary McCormick in the basement of a tenement flat And he told me a man's a man for all that I met Big John Duncan in the windowless kitchen of a tall cross flat And he told me nothing lasts forever and that's that The ghosts of punk rock They walk these streets The ghosts of punk rock They walk these streets 
I met Whitey Buckin in a crowded bar and he told me all the things he'd learned hadn't gotten that far. He gets criticized a lot for his money and his flash car But I don't think you should use the same brush or the same tar I don't think you should use the same brush or the same tar Cause without him there would be no dead cities Without him there would be no alternative Without him there would be no UK and it was him that wrote Army Life, not you The ghosts of punk rock They walk these streets The ghosts of punk rock They walk these streets The ghosts of punk rock They walk these Billy Liar is first up to bat with a story with something a wee bit different. Billy is going to tell us the origin story of the song you just heard, then on to some tales of Edinburgh, Scotland, then some ghostly tales of the Banshee Labyrinth, Scotland's most haunted pub. I've already told the tale of how I heard about Billy back in my Labor Day special, so I won't get redundant on you. Let's go straight to Billy's tantalizing, terrifying tales. Welcome, Billy Liar, to the I Want to Party with Bob Bobcast Ghost Stories Volume 2. Billy's going to tell us a little bit about the song you just heard, and he's got, I believe, a couple of stories about a pub that he worked in and has played in several times in Edinburgh, Scotland. So welcome, Billy, to the Bobcast. Thank you. Yeah, it's good to be here. Yeah, that, that song is called uh, The Ghost of Punk Rock, and I put it out on, a, on an EP called The Ghost of Punk Rock a while ago. Uh, the reason I, I thought that was a, a suitable song to play was, obviously, it's got the ghost of punk rock. It's kind of like a, it's a song about growing up in Edinburgh, and um, The Exploited were one of my favorite bands when I was growing up. They're from Edinburgh as well, and yeah. they were one of the first bands that made me realize that playing punk music, playing punk music was possible, you know, for, for anybody. And, and the main reason for that was because my dad had one of their seven-inch singles. I, I put it on, and it was this. This, uh, it was their first single, Army Life. When I looked at the back of it, I realized they were from Edinburgh. Got them like pissing on a wall on the back of it. It says <laughs> recorded Edinburgh. And I was like, that's, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen. Like that, you know, what, it's possible to be from Scotland, like this shitty little country, and play music and put records out. And, and then when I was growing up and playing in, uh, you know, venues around Edinburgh, I started realizing that basically the members of the Exploited are still around, like they're still accessible. and when I was 15, I played at this venue in Edinburgh called the Bongo Club, and I wore my Punk's Not Dead Exploited t-shirt. After the show, this, the, the bouncer from the club said to me, Hey, nice t-shirt. And I was like, oh, thanks. And he said, uh, the, the drummer of that band used to work here. He used to be a bouncer here. And I said, what? And he was like, yeah, only last year he was bouncing here. And then I basically, re you know, I realized that 
as I kind of grew up and went and moved around town, that the members of the band are still around and they're still doing things. And um, oh wow! One time I bought two of their CDs from a shop in Edinburgh called Hogshead. Like uh, I think it was Scoops of Tomorrow and Let's Start a War. And when I bought them from the shop, the guy that ran the shop, it's just like a used CD and vinyl shop. The guy said, uh, "Oh, those were traded in by the singer of Big Boy. They were traded in by <laughs> what he bought them." Wow! And I was like, "Whoa, that's so cool!" You know, he used to have a flat like uh, close to me, and uh, when I lived in in the center of town, I didn't realize that till years later. And, but anyway, to get back to the point of it, like I I met those guys, you know. At various points, as I was going up, and I ended up playing shows with them. And, but but I wanted to write a song which was kind of like a, a love a love song to the exploited, but also a love song to Edinburgh. So because Edinburgh's got so much haunted history, I thought it would be cool to have. You know, as I was growing up, I just had this idea that there was these kind of like I don't know, I don't want to say like forebearers, but like you know, figures that had like paved the way for punk in Edinburgh, and it was kind of like. I was following, I don't know, not like following in the footsteps, like discovering them as I got older. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I you know, I, I found them on, on these old, like historic Edinburgh streets. So it was kind of like a, a tie-in to both of those things. Oh, very cool. There you go. But yeah, the you know, I, I met them at various points. Like, you know, the singer goes through a lot of like um, gabber and techno nights in Edinburgh as well. And uh, the drummer did end up, you know, he worked at a, a club in Edinburgh, which recently closed and uh, due to a new development moving in next door and then the people who li- moved into these bougie flats basically complaining about the noise and it was this incredible like important venue in Edinburgh called Studio 24 um, which is where I first saw The Exploited and I saw Rancid and you know many like great punk bands growing up I saw my first short like floor show like I went to my first DIY gigs there and saw Oi Polois for the first time and it was just a really important venue for me and lots of people and it yeah, recently got shut down, but it was oh, still wow. there. The building was there for three years afterwards, like completely empty, but just still there. But they finally knocked it down, and they're just putting in all this shitty, fucking expensive apartments. The good thing is uh, Edinburgh does have a lot of historic buildings still, and a lot of buildings are listed, which I guess kind of ties in with what we're going to be talking about. But not not that the building of the Banshee Labyrinth is listed, I don't think. But it's it, you know, it's in like a historic area, ah. so it perhaps. You know, I hope it will be there forever. You know, sure. it certainly seems like it has been at the building, and it, you know, why, why not? Why, why shouldn't it stay there? The Banshee Labyrinth was opened by uh, a few friends of mine. Uh, they're a really nice couple. They, you know, ran some bars in Edinburgh. They've also got another pub called the Black Rose. Um, but the Banshee Labyrinth is in this great space. It was a, a bar before, but it had never really been properly built into when they moved in and turned it into this like amazing, you know, spooky vibe kind of like goth punk rock brilliant place yeah now there's during the weekend on a friday or saturday night there's three bars inside it and there's also a cinema with like 60 seats like a really nice cinema with a proper like giant screen and great sound system and there's a pool room so you can go in there and play pool and there's also the venue space which you know it's a small room but you know there's a obviously not during these times but during like normal times you know you could have amazing gigs in there so i've played in there you know hundreds of times and put on so many great gigs in there and it's just such a great space and uh, yeah it's really exciting because it's this crazy little basement there's a lot going on in that whole place too it sounds like you can yeah, yeah that's awesome and it's it's just, it's just like caves you know it's it's like you go down these stairs and they're all like different rooms you know yeah th- that actual space has a lot of history because uh 
you know, I, I don't actually know how long it's been there, but you know, that that space has been there for a long, long time. It's so kind of like historic and haunted that the main ghost tours in Edinburgh are a company called All Greasy, which is a name for Edinburgh. And if you go on the tour, they take you into this space, and the space is actually above the Banshee Labyrinth, and it's the same oh. layout as the Banshee Labyrinth. The most haunted room that they take you into is like directly above the pool room in the Banshee Labyrinth. And they say, like, if you're, you know, if you're brave enough, you can go inside the stone circle. And the stone circle is like directly above the pool table, which is the weirdest, the weirdest thing. Yeah, like, you know, when I worked there behind the bar, like a lot of people would come in looking for ghosts, you know, like doing hunts. They walk around there and a lot of people who like run ghost tours would bring people in there and ghost hunters are very keen to go there and people shoot music videos, people, you know, make films and they film scenes in there. Because it's like, it, it, you know, not only does it look spooky, but it, it really is spooky. Like, it's these old caverns, and people used to live in there. So people lived in there, and people, you know, made their own alcoholic moonshine in there. And, like, that was that was kind of at the time, like, the 1800s of, of the plague as well, like, the Black Death, which is another funny thing to be talking about now. But, like, um, people in that area were all, like, basically living on top of each other. And then, like, the plague came and a lot of people died. And a lot of people had to, you know, there's mass graves in Edinburgh. So people play golf on some of these, like, mass graves. There's, like, hills in the centre of Edinburgh. And people are just, like, happily playing golf on top of all these plague victims. Wow. Like, thousands and thousands of people. So that area was, was, was ripe with that sort of thing. And it's, it's also a rumour that the Banshee Labyrinth was a place. Do you know who Burke and Hare are? The, great, the body snatchers. Yes, yes, I do. Okay, for anyone that's listening that doesn't know that story, it was basically two guys who would sell, you know, they they found out, basically there was a doctor in town that wanted to buy bodies to do autopsies on, to kind of, you know, figure out what was going on with people. And and it was very difficult for him to get bodies. Uh, so he was getting them to, he was based at Surgeon's Hall in the centre of Edinburgh, uh, which is still there. Burke and Hare, these two guys, who were just two guys that, you know, I can't, they just basically drank in bars and they, they realized that, um, well, first they started stealing bodies. Uh, they started digging up graves and stealing bodies and selling them to this doctor. And then they realized, wait, we're not getting enough and we want to make more money. So they started killing people. So they started going out to bars, getting people very drunk or poisoning people and then taking them home, you know, and then either for a, you know, well, usually for a party and then killing them, like knocking them over the head and, uh, because all all the all the bars and shops and the, and things and flats like apartments and houses in that area all have a network of tunnels underneath them. So it's not just the Banshee Labyrinth, but people don't necessarily know it's there because everything's built on top of it. Yeah. So if you go into another bar, if you go into bar cellars, there's sometimes a tunnel. Or a friend of mine it lives in a flat in the centre of Edinburgh, just around the corner from the Banshee Labyrinth. And if you go into the, she's got a bedroom downstairs. And if you go down to the basement, there's a door. And if you open the door, there's just a, n- a network of tunnels. Wow. And it's blocked off. But if you, like, knock down the wall, like, I think, like, who knows where it goes? Like, you wow. know, just find that wall. Like, you could cat- probably like a series of catacombs or something almost. Like The whole of the center of Edinburgh is like that. The old town. When the, when the Black Death came, there, there's Princess Street is like the historic, like, main shopping street. And that used to be Princess Street Gardens is now this like big green space, but it used to be a river. So when the the Black Death came, 
the people, the wealthy people who lived in Edinburgh moved across the river to escape the plague and they built up all these new houses and that's what's now the new town. So there's the old town and there's the new town, ah. which you can tell, you know, the old town has all these like amazing looking but very like gothic historical buildings. And then the new town is where all the money is basically. Ah, um, of course, the old town is very expensive to live in as well, but that's what it used to be like. But that's quite a lot of information about the Banshee Labyrinth. But I guess my like, my, you know, a lot, a lot of people I've worked with a lot of people I worked, a lot of friends I made working at, at Banshee Lutheran had experiences where they were, you know, in in the building by themselves, in the dark, you know, because they finished last and they were the ones with the keys because they were the manager or they had to go in there at a certain time of night. Because Banshee Labyrinth is open until three in the morning ah. every night during Christmas and New Year and the Edinburgh Festival, which runs for a whole month in August. It's open until five every night. So that means... The person managing will be there till six or seven in the morning. Yeah, you know, and then reopening again, and the bar staff too. But sometimes one person will get left behind, so they'll end up being there locking up at like four or five in the morning, and that's not a place you want to be at like four or five in the morning. So, <laughs> I've you know, friends I've worked with have said there's been like scratches on doors when they've been in the office, like cashing up, or people banging on the door, or hearing doors slam, people running around, all sorts. And like I said, even if you go, you know, there's a staircase in the Banshee Labyrinth, which leads up to other, like, apartments upstairs. But if you go down the stairs, there's all this cavernous space. And I, I don't know where it ends. I've not, you know, I've not even braved, like, so there's, there's, there's even more underneath the Banshee Labyrinth. Oh, my gosh. Which is crazy. But my, my paranormal experience, I guess, was when I was with some other members of staff and the owners, actually, one time. And this is the only time I've ever seen anything anything actually like happened in front of my own eyes we were just having a drink in the bar one of the bars is called bar 13 and it's right next to the the gig venue which is called the chamber room we were in there and this you know we were just having we were in the middle of a conversation and genuinely we watched my friend dave's pint glass move like across the table by itself and then move again like that and again and me and cheryl who's one of the owners were sitting next to each other and we both watched it we both like were in the middle of a conversation and then turned and watched it and completely like freaked out and we, like jumped out of our seats and you know said like to everybody else like what just happened and they they like they were like what but thankfully there is a lot of cctv in the banshee labyrinth because it's this crazy cavernous space and you know people get drunk on a friday or saturday night and they get up to mischief or whatever so it's good to know what's going on in certain rooms so we quickly like you know you know, went to the office and watched the CCTV back, and you can see it on the CCTV. Oh my! So God. then everyone obviously, everyone was forced to believe us, and and I still have no explanation for that. Like I don't know how that happened. I don't know why that happened. I know it sounds not maybe too exciting because it was just a glass moving across the table, but there, there was nothing. There was no moisture on the table. It wasn't weighted. There was like there was no way not that a could have slant happened. Slant or anything like that. No. Just a flat table. No, it just moved across a flat table by itself and we watched it happen and I've, I've seen the, the video and it's it, you know I don't, I don't know how to explain that yeah the girls bathroom has um has a reputation for for hearing noises there is supposed to be a ghost in in the girls bathroom in particular and there's also a story i mean the banshee labyrinth got its name you know this isn't a story this is just a story that is kind of known but the banshee labyrinth um got its name apparently because there was a one of the people that was building the, you know, building the bar 
he he was working like doing the maintenance and a figure appeared in front of him apparently and screamed at him so he ran out the, the building and was very like shaken by this and ended up going home sick because he didn't feel good oh, and then he found out one of his family members had died apparently yeah there's also like the owners uh have have young kids they've got a young family now i know that one of their young daughters uh has seen a, a ghost that um she was calling the fire ghost several times in there um and there's some i think there was people, basically people had died in the fire there at some point oh but God. she kept seeing this fire ghost but they didn't know why she kept saying like daddy you know what's that fire ghost why, what's the fire ghost doing and it turns out that people had, people had died in the fire in that exact spot just a I mean, there's a lot of stuff. <laughs> well, thank you, Billy. Thank you for telling me your tales. Is there anything you kind of have coming up that you'd like to mention? Anything in the works? Uh, yeah, no worries. Thanks for having me. So I've got some tours coming up next year. Obviously, things you know things aren't uh, quite set in stone at the moment. But if you keep checking back on my website, I've got some, some tours coming up next year. I put a record out last year on Red Scare called Some Legacy that I'm really proud of. You can find that anywhere you listen to music. You can order it through the Red Scare website or you can order it from me. I've also got merch available in the States. I've got stupid rad merch. I've got like a whole bunch of a whole bunch of things up there. T-shirts, koozies, enamel pins, koozies, you know, pretty much you name it, it's up there. So if you want to support me, then that's how you can do it. Great. And I'll put links up on the website for this episode to where you can get to Billy's music and merch and all things Billy Liar. Definitely support him if cool. you can. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you, Billy Liar, for the stories. Good stuff. You got the story of the song, The Ghosts of Punk Rock, then some Edinburgh history and hauntingly horrific tales of the Banshee Labyrinth. Hold on to that pint glass, Billy. Yeah, yikes. Next up are a couple stories from Ryan Disney, who is the proprietor of Naked Ghost Video. Check out Naked Ghost Video on Facebook. Just search for Naked Ghost Video. Ryan has two tales for us. First is a story from Ryan's youth when he would stay with his great-grandmother in a trailer in the middle of a graveyard. Yes, you did hear that correctly. A trailer in a graveyard. Then Ryan has a spooky tale of a spectral presence. Here we go. Welcome, Ryan Disney, to the I Want to Party with Bob Bobcast Ghost Stories Part 2 episode. It is said... Maybe it's a legend, but it's possible Ryan Disney may be the great-grandchild of Walt Disney, though I don't know, and I'll leave that to Ryan to debunk or legitimize for me if he'd like to. And he's got a couple stories for us as well, besides the whole Disney you know, connection I'm trying to make here that may or may not exist, right? Yeah, thank thank you, Bob, for having me. Uh, yeah, I think I think my, uh, my side of the family got blacklisted from the Disney lineage a long time ago. So we were able to keep the name, but none of the benefits come with the name. Essentially, we're not related. We just have the same last name as it goes, you know. Anyways, on a place called Wildcat Mountain, which is in a little area of town around there called Hazel Patch. I don't know. It's one of those weird hillbilly geography. It was just like, where you drive to Hazel Patch, and then from Hazel Patch, you get to Wildcat Mountain, if that makes sense. <laughs> sure. You know, it's, it's almost storybook-like. It's like, okay, but so Wildcat Mountain is located in Hazel Patch. For anybody who wants to look this up, I guess, you can look it up on, look up Hazel Patch, Kentucky. Yeah, so she lived in a trailer way up there, and then I'm an only child, so when I was a kid, my parents would just go drop me off at her trailer up on Wildcat Mountain, and it was in the middle of a, um, 
essentially a civil war cemetery. There's a civil war battle that happened up there. So there's all these tombstones around her trailer. And so my parents would just drop me off to stay there basically for like three or four days with my gra- my great grandma. Across the way, there's a little dirt road, and across the way was where her sister-in-law, I'm sorry, her sister and brother-in-law lived. And so she'd go over there to get like fucking drunk with them and put me to bed at like, I don't know, nine, maybe seven thirty. I don't know. It was, it was like How old just were so you she could go that, over and that went on. Oh, I was I was probably about uh, about six years old, five or six, when she was living there. And so I'd be by myself and she didn't want any you know, she obviously didn't want me coming over there because she was getting fucked up and partying or whatever. <laughs> and uh I, I'm not quite sure what they did over there. Uh, I know there's drinking. But yeah, because she's a pretty hardcore, like, mountain sort of lady. She burned her trash. She chewed tobacco. Lived in the middle of a cemetery in a trailer. So what she would do is she would tell me that if I didn't go to sleep, that Snowball would come get me. And, and then when I inquired on who's Snowball, she told me it was the ghost of a runaway slave that ran around the mountain. And peeked in people's windows, and not not many people lived on the mountain to begin with. So this ghost would just be running around looking for a window to peek in. And uh, so she was like, "Yeah, Snowball's gonna come look in the window, and if you're not asleep, he's gonna kill you." Poor guy, <laughs> so, uh, poor kid. Like, how? Oh, oh yeah. man, that'll keep you in bed. Yeah, I mean, to date myself, I'm I'm 43 now, and I wish my memory is clear. I know I didn't. I know I was terrified, and I just kind of, I just kind of did what I was told, man. I just closed my eyes, and it's like, well, I mean, you know, what else are you gonna do? Because I literally thought there was gonna be a ghost looking in the window at me. Sure. You know, if I, if I even glanced that way, luckily I survived. Yeah, you, you did, and you would die if you looked out the window and Snowball the ghost caught you. Yeah. And all she had to do was tell my parents, like, I don't know, he wandered off into the mountain, like what. <laughs> You know, it's like, like I don't right. like. She loved me, but it was that tough, like, like mountain grandma love. Where she's kind of just like, ah, eh, you can make another one. Type right. thing, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, There's more where that came from. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like if I disappeared, like, oh well, just go ahead and start fucking. <laughs> like, <laughs> we'll you know, make, like, another make another kid. We better not take right. him over to great grandma's no more, though. We might lose that one, too. So, so yeah, it's just being terrified alone in a trailer in the middle of the night on a mountain in a cemetery was, was uh, kind of crazy and traumatizing, I, I guess. I, you know, that did that, and that was, that was kind of my upbringing and where my family's from. I don't know. So I guess that's kind of that story. I mean, she really was a sweet lady to sum it up, and eventually she moved to that trailer. I have been on, like, ghost investigation teams and things like that, but I've never experienced anything with that wasn't explainable in, in, uh. in the natural world. And even this, I, I don't really know what it was because I, I was also young, but I was probably around 12 or 13. And the house I was living in, I guess it was, called, it was Cape Cod, is what the style of house where like, the, it was like I had a finished attic. And that was my that was my room. I basically lived in the attic, but it was like finished and carpeted and it was decent. I think I was just like on a weeknight, like again, like 12 or 13, I think I was in junior high school, walked downstairs, this narrow staircase, because again, it's just an attic. And I think I got something out of the fridge, but I closed the door to the attic behind me. And when I came and I opened the door, there was absolutely this dark figure at the top of the stairs. And these stairs were carpeted. So what, yeah, that's why I say it was a finished attic, because it was carpet. And, the, and I stared at this 
black humanoid figure for uh, maybe two seconds until it moved over to the side of of the banister. The banister is essentially like a, a wall. I'm trying to describe this. Where when it moved over, I couldn't see where it went. But what I heard, and this is the weirdest part to me, is I heard its movement on the carpet as if it scuffled its feet, if it had feet on the carpet, if you know what I'm talking about. Sure, yeah. That was the one thing where it, I, I didn't know I was looking at it. It was a black humanoid shape, but it made this noise of if somebody just scooted on carpet real quick. And I, the thing was, like, I was like 12 or 13. I, I wasn't scared. Like, I bolted upstairs. I was like, what the fuck was that, essentially? And I just bolted up to my room. And, of course, there was nothing there. You had to run right past it? Well, he was at the very top of the stairs. So I had to go up. My room was upstairs. So, you know, I had to basically go right up to where he was standing. Yeah. Before he moved over. over he moved to, uh, he basically moved to the right to to kind of pass this, like, banister partition thing. It's kind of hard to explain, but. Sure. Where basically he, he was obstructed from view. I saw him for maybe two seconds. Like, I opened the door. Boom, there's a big black, you know, a black figure. I don't want to say big. He, it was probably just average human height, maybe five, six, five, eight, or whatever. But yeah, within two seconds, it moves. But the, the shuffling sound is what always stuck with me because I, I, I could always kind of like be like, okay, maybe just coming, just opening the door to a, a lit stairwell played a trick with my eye. But, but hearing that carpet shuffle was always very bizarre. And what I ended up doing, even at 12 or 13, and I've, I've, I've investigated this with people who've, who've seen shadow figures before, and there is this kind of, people aren't afraid. Like, they're not afraid like you'd think you'd be if you saw something like that. Like, I don't know, I don't know what that is, but I wasn't either. Like, I, I should have been terrified. Like, I should have been like, I'm not sleeping in that attic anymore. I mean, if I watched a scary movie at that time, I was sleeping on the couch downstairs. I wasn't sleeping up in my attic bedroom. But for whatever reason, man, I saw this thing, and my immediate my immediate reaction was like, "What was that?" Like I wasn't I wasn't frightened by it, and I and I continued to sleep in that room, and I never saw anything like that again. Now. Well, thanks for talking to me. All right, cool. All right, good night. Oh, I loved Ryan's stories. <laughs> the trailer story. Poor Ryan, jeez. He, he came out pretty good, I think, all things considered. The shadow figure story was fucking spooky. I would absolutely not have had the guts to walk up to my room if that was my house. Fuck no. No way. Next up, we have a song by the band UXB or United X Bombs. Now, you see, UXB are all former members of the band US Bombs, who, let's just say, weren't too keen on Dwayne Peters and his kind of MAGA ramblings. They formed a new band with Jesse from the Agrilites on vocals, and here is the result. Fucking great band, great stuff. This song, by the way, is a clue to what Jesse's story is all about. Here we go. Here's UXB. It was 
Pacific sand A full moon bright As the trade winds blew past shore I dozed off so comfortably Not knowing what was in store great song just like the agrilites all the people in uxb are incredibly talented people super good songwriters i love it so jesse's story is up next jesse who sings in both the agrilites and uxb this story is of a hawaiian vacation that did get a little weird think brady bunch goes to hawaii um, you know minus the vincent price and tarantulas under the pillow Definitely a very worthy entry into the Bobcast Ghost Stories Hall of Frightful Fame. Here is Jesse's story. Well, I'd like to welcome Jesse Wagner of the Agrilites to the I Want to Party with Bob Ghost Stories Part 2 edition. Welcome, Jesse, to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Bob. We need we need a campfire in here. Yes, we need we a campfire do. in yes, here. And some, and some <laughs> s'more stuff and all that. Well, I believe you have a tale to tell me, possibly a tale of terror, at least a tantalizing tale, either way. Yes, I do. Oh, very, very scary one. All right, here we go, kids. So, this is about 20, I'd say about 20, 21 years ago. And uh, I was young, you know, I was about 19, 20, 19, 20 years old or so. And I went with a friend's family on vacation to Hawaii. And this is the first time I've ever been 
on a vacation. We, we really didn't go on vacations to my family growing up. So, and it was going to Hawaii, and I was like, back in those days, I was all about like, you know, the the whole like swinging tiki tiki mugs and all this kind of thing, right? Sure, so sure, like, like the Brady Bunch excited. Hawaii vacation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I just was excited to go. It was like 1960s, and I was all into like 60s stuff and retro things, and so I wanted to go. Anyway, so we get out there, and the her dad was a uh, he had like lived out there and he was like, used to be like a Marine biologist and real interesting guy who did all this crazy shit back in his day. So he knew the big Island really well. So this wasn't like a trip to Oahu and going out and doing like the typical touristy stuff. This was like, go to the big Island and do crazy hiking stuff, uh-huh. you know? So we went to like the land of refuge where they have like the, you know, the, the big tiki's like that everybody has dolls of and all that yeah. we, we saw like the real historical things and he had he had uh rented us rented out like this really nice house it was kind of like the brady bunch house it looked like the brady bunch house but it was like blocks away from the ocean and there was like uh an old burial ground there that was kapu they would call it you're not allowed to step on it and it was like everything's like really like sacred door that you can't touch things or you stay away from certain stuff you know and sure. have to do respect for things the first night we're out there I'm excited. Everybody's like, goes to bed early. That family would go on vacations all the time. So this is like no big deal for them. And I'm one of those antsy kids that like, can't wait to get up in the morning and just go to the beach and go do stuff because we literally had just got off a plane and it's like three hours behind. So I'm wide awake even more than I'm normally wide awake. So I'm laying there on the couch and I'm kind of starting to fall asleep. And as I uh, doze off a little, I'm in that kind of like, state of mind where it's between sleep and awake and i start hearing like this uh these like really cool like drum beats you know like tribal drums going on and these drums are getting louder and louder and louder and i'm starting to fall like more and more asleep into it and being like man this is going to be a cool dream like this is awesome you know i can't believe i'm making up these awesome like hawaiian beats in my head like this is i got to remember this when i wake up tomorrow this is rad (laughs) And I'm hearing this beat, and this beat's getting louder and louder, and starts feeling like it's like you know stomping through the room. And I'm like just laying there, like I don't want to open my eyes or anything. I'm, you know, kind of going in that that whatever you call it, that uh whatever state of mind or whatever it is when you're about to be totally asleep. So this voice starts coming up, creeping up behind these drum beats, and it starts yet like it sounds mad. I can't understand what it's saying, but obviously it's like some Hawaiian language or something and it starts creeping up more and more forgive my uh hawaiian <laughs> <Of> <laughs> that's, <course>. horrible. <laughs> that's horrible that's horrible but anyways a lot of l's and i's and a but it kept getting louder and louder and louder and louder to where it started to get like annoying because i'm really digging these beats and all of a sudden while i'm laying there i'm getting hotter and hotter and like sweatier to where this voice feels like it's just right over me screaming at me and it scares me all of a sudden because the feeling i'm getting is this voice is yelling at me so violently that it doesn't want me around it wants me gone and i'm like man i gotta some reason my natural reaction was ignore this voice and it'll disappear just keep your eyes closed you know just stay laying down don't move just stay silent don't do anything so I do that, and the voice tames down and goes in the distance, 
while the drums are still there loud and I'm still kick like enjoying it within the drums start but it's like I'm enjoying the drums but now not as much I'm kind of scared of these drums and yeah. stuff and then the drums fade away and and go distant all of a sudden now I'm getting like goosebumps telling this because I haven't told this in a long time but uh, all of a sudden I uh, I wake up like whoa boom I wake up and I'm like holy like that was, what was that? that that felt so like that was like real and i and just it was that eerie weird feeling where you feel like somebody's in the room with you know or something and it's like two in the morning or three in the morning i don't want to go wake up anybody and be all hey i'm scared right so i freaked out though and i'm like scared shitless like i don't know i'm ter- i'm terrified so i ended up just staying up the rest of the night like with one eye open and, and put the tv on and slept with the lights on and all that uh, the rest of the week, I was the more and more I thought about it, I couldn't get out of my head, and I was getting more and more scared, and more scared. Luckily, nothing happened the rest of the week, but I was still like, I was still sleeping with the light on every night. Oh, sure, yeah, <laughs> the TV on and everything. <laughs> now we're fast forwarding. That's that's around you know 2000 or so. This is like 2010, and this is the second time I'm coming to Hawaii. Now I'm with the Agrilites, and we're touring. And we got this opportunity to play Anna Bananas out there. So me and our bass player, Jeff, we end up staying like a few extra days just because we're excited. We don't go to the Big Island now. We go to Oahu. On the, After we play our game and all that, after that weekend, we end up hanging out with some friends, some locals that we had met, and a buddy of mine that had moved to Hawaii when I was a teenager. So we're all on the beach eating poke where there was a crazy meteor shower that night. We watched the meteor shower, and we got a campfire. We're sitting on the ocean eat poke and all of a sudden everybody starts telling you know ghost stories of yeah. course people start telling their stories and the, you know it's going around and i i like don't even think about this thing i i like forgot about this for a long time i'm like you know what guys i, I actually got a story to tell this is it's actually happened in hawaii and, and they're like well it's not really a ghost story it was more like a dream half dream half awake thing well what happened so i start telling them exactly what i just told you while I'm telling a story, as soon as I get to the part of drums, these two locals go, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, <laughs> night marches. And I go, what? A what? They go, oh, yeah, those are, those are called night marches. I go, what the hell is a night marcher? What do you mean, night marcher? I never heard. They go, oh, yeah, that's like a normal thing, that you're a Howley. So, you know, and Howley means, like, uh, you're not local. When you're a Howley, you're somebody from the main, you're from the main, you're from the main, uh, you know, mainland or whatever. Yeah. So... They explain. They they first out there to make me believe them even more that they're not just like going along with my ghost story. They knew the drum part right out the beginning, but then they started predicting what would be next. They go, "Were you on the Big Island?" And I'm like, "Yeah." Uh, Did you stay anywhere? Were you on the ocean along the shore? I go, "I was about a block away in this house." Uh, Okay. Was it the middle of the night, like two or three in the morning? Yeah. Did you hear like a crazy like yell? Like, did you feel like you were gonna get whatever? Yeah. And, and when they went away, you know, and I was like, yeah, I stayed laying on my back with my eyes closed, completely silent. They go, yeah, yeah. They knew the whole thing. They go, this is a normal thing that happens all the time to Howley. So and this is 10 years later now. This is like, this is no joke. And I haven't thought about this in years. So I'm like, first off, I never hear of a night marcher. I don't know anything about it. So I nerd the hell out. I, I go on YouTube. I start reading Wikipedia. And I start, it turns out that this is a real legitimate thing. This goes all the way back to like Captain Cook was haunted by night marchers. Wow. Back in the day. 
And there's different stories. It was pretty much an army of, of uh, you know, a, a Hawaiian army that would march along the outskirts of the island playing drums to drums. If people were in a spot that they weren't allowed to be, they would collect taxes or they'd, they'd kill. There was always different, like, things, different stories about night marchers. Sure. But the ghost story of it is if you're not welcome and you're not supposed to be in that area and you're not a local and you don't belong there, these night marchers will come after you. And it's a army of uh, like a thousand soldiers or whatever beating on drums, conch shells. You know what a conch shell is? Oh, like yeah, yeah. Blowing on uh, all, like uh, torches and all this, but they float through the room. And if you don't bury your face and lay flat on the floor with your eyes closed, and if you look at them, then you supposedly get killed or, and you march with their arm, you march with them for eternity. Holy That's shit. The, the folklore of the, Story. There's been night marcher stories where people have seen these guys going through the road, uh, you know, like like stopping in the middle of a street in the car, and there's an uh, army of you know these dudes. People have heard them, but my story is like to the T, exactly what happens, which makes me like, whoa, this is a real thing. Like I wow. believe this, like honestly believe it, because I was just ignorant kid. I was going over there for the whole like pop culture or whatever subculture. Hey man, Exotica. Denny Martin, you know, like uh, right. things that, and it wasn't really over there for the experience of like respect from a position Hawaii, of you respect. Know? Yeah. You weren't exactly I coming could, from a position yeah. of respect in some ways. So I could see why these guys would be after me. You know what I mean? I've been back to Hawaii a dozen times since always been a blast. And never had that experience again. So I think I'm cool with the night marchers. It now. sounds like but, you're safe now. But, wow. <laughs> but I guess maybe because I paid my respects, but something told me keep it down. Like, you know, lay there. Don't do anything. Don't open your eyes. So that was it, man. That's that's uh, that's my story. Awesome, Jesse. Thank you so much for the story. Is there anything else, kind of, you want to add? Anything else you got going on? You want to talk about? Not really, man. I mean, we're just you know waiting for this whole thing to end and, and uh, waiting for things to get back to normal. The Agrilites will be doing a live streaming show coming up november 6th more details on that will be if you check out like agroreggae.com or the agrolytes on instagram or agrolytes facebook we haven't uh posted anything about it yet but coming this next week we're going to start promoting that show november november 6th all right jesse thank you so much yeah man but well, thanks for having me nine marchers see i told you the uxb song did tie into jesse's story in fact Jesse says that song was written about his very strange experience in Hawaii. What gets me the most about that story is the part when Jesse went back to Hawaii years later and the dudes he was with knew how that whole story was going to go down. Like, oh, God, creepy. Up next is Amanda Paulson's story. Amanda is the force behind Pretty Effin' Spooky a paranormal and occult-themed blog, and now a brand-new YouTube channel. Check out Amanda's new YouTube channel, which is simply called Pretty Effin' Spooky. Subscribe, watch the video that's up right now, and enjoy. Amanda does have over 10 years of experience in paranormal investigation and has quite a tale to tell us in this episode. Here it is. I'd like to welcome Amanda Paulson to the I Want to Party with Bob Bobcast. 
Ghost Stories Volume 2 episode, and I believe Amanda has a story to tell us. Hi, yes, I'm Amanda from Pretty F and Spooky, and I do have a story to tell you today. What's exciting about this story is I don't think I've told this story on a podcast yet. I've been on a few podcasts, and this is a new one, so I'm excited to tell it. It actually happened recently. Where we start in the story is um, my boyfriend and I taking a trip to Portland, Oregon last year. We were taking a trip to just have a vacation at his dad's home. His dad, unfortunately, passed away from cancer the year prior, um, and his stepmom still owns the house. So we were staying at this house. It has a hot tub. We were ready to party, ready to, you know, just let loose, hang out, have a good time. And we were really ready to use this hot tub. So one night, the first night that we get there, we get all ready to get inside the hot tub. We get some drinks going. You know, I'm, I'm getting in the hot tub. It doesn't quite work very well, this hot tub. And I, I should mention that first. It, we knew ahead of time that the jets didn't work and that the lights in the hot tub didn't work. So it was just hot water. And it was still a hot tub, but anyway, it wasn't fully functioning, which is an important part of this story. Oh, okay. So I get in the hot tub and I'm, I'm hanging out and my boyfriend is inside and he's making us drinks. He's making us some alcoholic beverages. And as I'm laying in the hot tub, my face is facing the, uh, the fence. So it's just this long fence that like there's nothing behind it except for the, like a building next door. And I notice against the fence as I, it's dark, it's nighttime. And I noticed a light turn on and then off. And I thought it was kind of weird. I didn't understand what was, why he would be turning the light on and off. So I look behind me and I look upstairs and I can see this window upstairs it, it turns out that it was the closet to the master bedroom or what was his dad's bedroom at one point and I look up there there's no light on at all so I'm I'm like okay I don't know what that was it must have been a, a trick on my eyes or something so I ignore it and he eventually comes out to get into the hot tub with me and gives me a drink as soon as he comes out to the hot tub and gets inside then all of the jets start going and the lights start turning on and even the panel that wasn't working like where you change the temperature. I don't, I don't know how hot tubs work. Um, even that turns on and just starts showing these random assortments of letters and, and like numbers. And it just kind of starts freaking out. We were like, tight, like off, <laughs> like the hot tub works now, I guess. Kind of weird. Weird, but welcome in, in a way. So weird, but like, oh, okay, well, that's kind of good. Exactly. We were like, nice, I guess it works now. Like, we're still like not really on the same page on like, it's not, and not in no way at this point am I like, this could potentially be a ghost. Like that didn't even cross my mind yet. However, I was thinking about that light that I could have sworn I saw turn on and then off. Well, so we just settle in and we're settled into this fully functioning hot tub now. And so he is uh, sitting across from me. So he's looking up at the window, the second story window that's in the closet. And after talking for some time, then he looks at me in sheer panic. And he's like, I just saw the light like he had looked down and then looked up and he said, I saw the light turn off. And I was like, I don't understand what that means because I knew that the light was turned off the entire time. So I'm like, how, how did the light turn off if it was always off? He's like, I don't know. I love it was on. And then I saw it turn off like in front of my eyes. He's like, I just saw the light turn off. Well, and mind you, like I've been paranormal investigating for quite some time. And I even had my blog at this point. So it was very front of mind for me with paranormal investigating. But for some reason this night, maybe having to do with the fact that I didn't really want to approach the topic of like his 
father's ghost. Of course, that's very heavy. It just was not something I expected to be going on that night. I was like, absolutely not, not expecting it. Well, at that point, when he's like, the light definitely turned off, which means it was on. We jump out of the hot tub and... I don't know if I can uh, uh, say this on your podcast, but uh, we didn't have swimming suits with us at the time. <laughs> so we were we were hanging out. We were having a great time and like just, you know, and uh, and we didn't bring swimming suits with us. So we hop out, scared out of our mind thinking somebody's in the house, like that our logical adult brain clicks on and we're like, somebody's in the house. We need to address this immediately. So we run upstairs. And we go upstairs and it's completely dark, of course, as these stories go. It's no light is turned on whatsoever. It doesn't look like anything has moved. Uh, we go into the closet even to check out the light situation. And that definitely was the room that we were looking at where the light turned on. And uh, the light switch was like a full on, it wasn't like a sliding tech, like high tech one or anything. It was just like an old fashioned like on and off light switch. So we were like, okay. That's weird. And then and then it starts clicking. And I'm like, hmm, I wonder what that could have been. Maybe it was paranormal. So at this point, we're kind of just in a weird mood. And we're like, okay, we're not going to get back in the hot tub. The thing is like doing weird stuff away. And we don't want to get back in there. And we're just like trying to process what's going on. So we go into the living room. We hadn't touched anything. We just walked straight into the living room and sit on the couch just to have a moment where, where we're like, what exactly is going on here and so as we start you know start processing and i'm like well you know dang if this is this is a ghost we better take this opportunity and talk talk to him or her whoever but we're assuming it's his dad at this point i finally was like hey if this is you can you give us a sign right now just to let us know that you're here well, at this time, and, and mind you, like I said, we hadn't touched anything for a good, at least a good hour. At this time, a coat that was hanging over the back of the kitchen chair, like completely hanging over it, or not a coat, excuse me. It was like a plaid flannel. I'm trying to say a plaid flannel, button up like heavy Pendleton. And it had been hanging over the back of the chair all night, well, literally like two to three seconds after I say, hey, can you show us a sign just so that we know it is for sure you? then that gets pulled off of it and falls onto the ground. You know, and I joke with him and I say, like, in paranormal investigating, it is honestly rare that you see that work, like that tactic work. You know, hey, can you make a knock? Can you do something? Whatever, you know, physical stuff like that rarely happens. And when it does, it's pretty eye-opening. So I was like, oh, my God, I cannot believe that that just worked. And yeah, so uh, you would think that that would be um, the end of it. I mean, at that point, we're kind of like, okay, let's go to bed. Like, this is just a lot to to take in. And I'm kind of like pumped a little bit. I'm like, oh my God, like, what is going on? So we end up settling in for the night and kind of trying to forget about it. But I'm like freaked, honestly, I'm I'm just freaked out. And I tried not to be because I I tried to reason with myself. I'm like, we know him, it's fine. But I'm totally freaked out at this point. So we get in bed and we're trying to go to bed. Well, Overnight that night, I broke an insane fever. I just, like, I was drenched in sweat. I hadn't been sick at all prior to this this trip. And I, like, broke this mad fever, just totally felt awful, and woke up the next day sick as a dog. Like, just the worst, like, flu, cold thing I've ever had. So, I mean, I don't know. I can't say for sure that that's related, but pretty, pretty uh, 
coincidental timing, I would sure, say. Sure, absolutely. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then just to top it all off, you know, I'm, I'm feeling awful the next day. He goes and walks the dogs. We had a couple small dogs with us uh, there. And he goes that morning to walk the dogs. And as I'm in the bathroom trying to get ready, I hear clear as day somebody say hello. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, just one thing after the other after the other. Right. <laughs> yeah. So that is where my Portland paranormal story ends. But it is by far, like, in recent memory, one of the most, like, I don't know, just the craziest nights. And, and like I said, in paranormal investigating, that many things in a row are is rare to come by. Like, usually you can have an investigation for hours and you have a couple significant things happen. But for right. it to just be, like, one thing after the other after the other, I feel like it's important to say that, that I wasn't looking for it because I do think that there's something to be said for when you're going into a place expecting it to be haunted and looking for something that you probably will find something if you're if you're really trying hard enough. But I wasn't like, like, you know, you think you find something. But I I wasn't looking for it at all. And even more so, I didn't want it to happen. So is there anything you'd care to mention? I know you have some things coming up that you could tell the people listening about. Yeah, so big news on this front is that I'm starting a YouTube on Friday, October 2nd. I'll be uh, launching my first YouTube video at noon Pacific Standard Time. So, yes, I have I have a blog called Pretty Effin' Spooky on Instagram. I've had it for about a year and a half now, but yep, it's time to uh, start YouTube. So that's the big news for me on Friday. Excellent. And is that is that also called Pretty Effin' Spooky? Is that going to be the name of the YouTube channel as well? Yep. So it's Pretty Effin' Spooky all across the board, all platforms, Pretty Effin' Spooky. Excellent. Okay, great. There will be links on the website. Thank you so much for your time, Amanda. I really appreciate you talking to me. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. What a story. Like Amanda says in the story, it is so rare, super rare, for so many things to happen in a row like that. When something paranormal is happening or during a paranormal investigation, she wasn't investigating. She was on a break on vacation kind of thing. Very, very interesting that so much happened kind of all in a row like that. Very awesome story. I love it. Before we move on to the next half of the episode and more stories, here are a few words from our friends at Wicked Monster Workshop. Stay tuned. Wicked Monster Workshop is your source for the most unique and weirdly beautiful creatures, accessories, and home decor you will find anywhere. From Zippo lighter covers to smartphone pop sockets, sculptures, and sinister statues all 100% handmade, each piece is a unique work of art that has to be seen to be believed. Simply go to www.etsy.com slash Wicked Monster workshop that's wicked monster w-o-r-k-s-h-p.com and check out the amazing and unique horror gothic and weird clay creations of wicked monster workshop you can also check out these incredible incarnations of your dreams or nightmares by visiting wicked monster workshop on instagram and facebook the page address is simply at wicked monster workshop 
There you can see multiple photos of the monstrous and magnificent creations and even order a custom piece for yourself. Check out Wicked Monster Workshop and order a lovingly made and completely custom creation today. Thank you to Wicked Monster Workshop, not only for a couple of the prizes for this episode, but really, I want to say this, check out Wicked Monster Workshop stuff. It, absolutely incredible, incredible stuff. My words cannot do the creations of Wicked Monster Workshop's stuff any kind of justice. You have to see it for yourself. The next story in this episode was told to me by my good friend, Fernando Cruz, or Fernie for short. Fernie's kind of a mainstay in the San Diego punk rock and hardcore scene. Seriously, if I took the time to list all the bands that Fernie's been in, we would be here all night. Fernie is super rad, incredibly talented. I love every band he's been in. There are going to be links to some of Fernie's bands on this episode's page of the www.iwantapartywithbob.com website. Here is Fernie with his tale of some very strange happenings at his former home in the North Park neighborhood in San Diego, California. Let's welcome Fernando Cruz to the I Want to Party with Bob Ghost Stories Volume 2. Welcome, Fernando or Fernie, as I've known you for, I don't know, 20-something <laughs> years now, I think. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. Fern- yeah. yeah, and it's been it's been a while. It's Yeah, Fernando. Everyone calls me Fernie, but Fernando, yep. That'll work. All right. And you have a story, I believe, to tell us tonight, <laughs> yes. I do, Bob. So um, I appreciate you giving me the chance to share this story. You know, we've known each other for a long time, so I just want to go. It will, I'll probably cover a couple of things that happened that led up to the story and then a couple of the main things that will just wrap it all together. Probably I was, uh, this was probably around, let's see here, I was 22 years old, so it was 2002. And so at this time, me and my ex-girlfriend or girlfriend at the time were living at this house uh, on the corner of El Cajon Boulevard and Florida Street. So right there in the heart of North Park, right? We were diagonal from the live wire across the street from that blockbuster video. And we lived on top of a cell phone business, but the door was on the El Cajon Boulevard side where you would you would walk in from downstairs. Ah, sure. Right? So it was kind of a... Uh, and, and it was a big house. There was people that lived behind us and next to us. So there was like different like apartment, condo type things connected. So our house was, it was a, a pretty way, weird entrance. You would walk in the front door and downstairs was a little kitchen and then a nook. And right away as well as when you walked in, there's a staircase. And so you would walk in and you could go to the right to the kitchen or you can go straight up the stairs, which led to two bedrooms which we made one a living room and then the bathroom. So we basically hung out upstairs on the second floor and we shared a wall. And I know we've talked about this, Bob, with uh, another, uh, actually a band, uh, a band, this guy named Mitch, who played in this band, No Knife from San Diego. No Knife, yeah. So he lived, yeah, he lived right behind us. Uh, we shared a, a wall, our room shared a wall, and he had the place behind us that you would go into the other side of the building. But everything was upstairs, and, we, and the house was the same. Downstairs were the kitchen, and then there were staircases that went up to the top. So the second floor was where we did all the hanging out, basically. It was pretty cool because at the time, Mitch was in No Knife. They were they were writing that uh, Riot for Romance album, and so they would 
practice in there, and we I would just go out on my bathroom balcony <laughs> and sit there and smoke cigarettes and drink beer and listen to them write these songs. And it was awesome because they were it was great, and that album hadn't come out yet. And then we would practice. I was in a band, Run for Your Fucking Life. We would practice in in that kitchen nook down there. So there was music always coming out of there, and it was super cool because there was a business next to us was like a big like stage and lighting building as well. So right. after like four o'clock, everything was closed down, so we could make as much noise as possible. So it was a super cool house, and it was super old, super old like little. Big house, probably before they split it up into like the three, three or four apartments. Ah, uh, okay. Going into this, the ghost story. So, just a, a, a little bit of backstory. During this time, I was pretty involved with drinking and some heavy, heavy drug use. Okay. So okay. I want to say this because it'll lead into the parts of the story. It won't affect what happens, but it will. It will show like why, what we were doing and, and what led to what was happening. So sure. a couple things is uh, as soon as we moved in, we felt, so it was just me and my girlfriend at the time. And we had one bedroom that faced the street. And when you would sit in the living room couch, you can see out towards the bathroom and the top of the staircase. So when you would sit on the couch, you know, we'd be watching TV. I could peek over and I could see the top of the staircase in the bathroom. So if anyone was coming into the house, I'd see him come up the stairs, right? First of all, I'd hear the door open, but then I could hear him come up. So a couple times out of the side of like, out of a quick view, I noticed that there was like, it looked like someone was at the top of the staircase, right? And I would just shake it off like, uh, no, whatever, you know, like, I don't know. I don't know what that is or who knows what that is. Or that just must, must be a shadow because of the, of the, the street lights of the cars driving by. We're on a busy street. Didn't think nothing of it. Right. Yeah. And then one day, I come home from work and my girlfriend at the time says, Hey, I, I want to tell you something. Don't, don't, don't trip out. But I think I saw someone at the top of the stairs. And before I could finish, I said, can I describe the person that I've been seeing? And so she looked at me kind of freaked out. Like, what are you talking about? And I said, well, I've been seeing someone and super tall, all black. And he's got a big, tall, like Abraham Lincoln top hat on. And she's like, that's exactly what I've been seeing. Oh, so we both just kind of stopped and we looked at each other and we we're just like, all right, well, now I don't feel like, like I'm going crazy and we're both seeing the same thing. So let's, let's keep an eye on that. And, you know, let's not say anything. We don't have to say anything to our friends who come over. Like, let's just keep it within us. But that's pretty crazy. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And the reason why uh, the whole, the whole drug thing will come up, but, my girlfriend at the time, she drank. She didn't use any drugs. So there wasn't the thing where, like, we were messed up seeing stuff. No. It the was like, I right. was messed up. Yeah, yeah. So we go. So that keeps happening. Again, another time, I, I see the, the man again standing at the top. And you just see his hat. And it's just freaky, right? It's just freaky. And we start closing the door because the thing is, the both of the rooms, they were actually two bedrooms. There was no living room. So we basically just would leave the door open to make it look like a living room. The living room, like I said, it was more of a room and it had a door. So because we kept seeing this person, we decided to just start closing the door when we were in the living room so we wouldn't see out there yeah. to the top of the staircase, right? It was just me and her. We'd use the two rooms, one as the living room, one as our bedroom. So, okay, so fast forward. It's been a couple of weeks of this and my girl, and so I'm having some friends come over and we're going to party basically, right? Do some drugs. 
girlfriend was going to work. She didn't know that this was happening. So she goes to work. My friends show up, right? We come up to the living room. The door is open. We can see out there during the day. And we start doing our thing, right? Start setting it up, doing whatever we're doing. And all of a sudden, my friend looks over at me. And he's straight face, jumps up, and he's all, dude, your girlfriend's home, your girlfriend's home, your girlfriend's home. And I was all like, what? And I run to the the outside window because I could see where she parked. Okay. And I'm thinking, like, there's no way because I'm all, she just left to work like 20 minutes ago. I look outside, her car's not there. I'm like, dude, you're tripping. Like, she's at work, her car's not there. Look, I'm looking at the parking spot. So like, no, dude, I just saw her come up. I just saw her come up. And he's freaking out. He's, like, throwing the stuff that we were going to do, like, trying to hide it and he's all i just saw her walk up the stairs she's wearing like this crazy hood and i'm all first of all dude it's summertime she's wearing a t-shirt and pants to work at a restaurant job she's not wearing a hood she doesn't wear hoods like that and then so at this point i'm like dude are you serious you saw something i'm positive and so then i had to sit him down i'm like dude we've been seeing people at the top of the stairs for the last couple weeks we just haven't said anything and I'm like, I'm positive my girlfriend's not here. Let's call her at work. So we call her at work. She answers, right? Thank you, bye. Just wanted to see. We just thought maybe you came home because we thought we heard something. And my friend's just freaked out now. And he's like, I got to go, dude. He's all like, I-, I can't deal with this. Like, someone just walked in the house. I just saw them. And you're now you're telling me that she's not home. And I'm like, we didn't even hear the door open, dude. Like, I started trying to explain to him. So he's freaked out. He leaves. And so now it's like that day, just whatever ends, right? My girlfriend comes home that day and I tell her the story. And I said, dude, so when our, my friend was here, he thought you came home because he saw someone walk up the stairs. And so she's like, no way, no way, no. And I'm like, you know what? Let's just let's grab some dinner. Let's watch a movie and then we'll just go to bed, right? This is like already a nighttime when she's home from work. So we're starting to watch a movie. We close the door. Right. Because it's already starting to be kind of fishy out there. We're starting to see things. It's starting to like it's just weird. And we're like, close the door we're, that we don't have to deal with that anymore. Right. right. So we're watch, we're sitting watching TV. It's probably around nine, ten o'clock. And I kind of fall asleep right on the couch. And she does, too. But she wakes me up. She's uh, all of a sudden she just wakes me up in a panic. And she's like, Fernando, Fernando, something at the door. And when I look over, I kid you not, there's like a black mist coming out from underneath the door into the room. So now the door that we closed so we wouldn't see anything, there's a black mist underneath the door starting to billow into the room. Okay? So all of a sudden I wake up and all of a sudden I see the smoke billow and she's like, do you see it? Do you see it? I'm like, yes, do you see it? I'm like, what the fuck is that? So there's this smoke starts billowing into the room. And it's just getting deeper and deeper and deeper. And I just look at her and I go, fuck it, dude. Let's go to bed. So I'm just going to run. Let's just open the door and we'll run to the other room and go to bed. Right? We open the door. We, we run through the thing. Like, again, probably eyes closed. We open the door. We run into the next room and we close the door. Right? Yeah. So we're like, what the fuck was that? We're in there. We're getting, we're getting ready for, like, bed, right? Putting pajamas on, whatever. What the fuck was that? I don't know. Fuck, shit's getting crazy. First to shit in the morning with our, with our friend, seeing someone who th- thought it was you. Now this, whatever this mist coming into the room is, you know, like filling up the room with us in there, it's fucked up. 
And what's crazy is like no sound during any of this, right? We're seeing stuff, just sights, this smoke coming in, you know, billowing in like this. And, and then it's dark enough that in a dark room with the TV on only, it's still darker than that. So oh, does that make sense? Like, sure. it's not a, we're, we're watching TV with just the TV on, you know, it's night and it's nine, 10 o'clock at night, it's late. The only lights may be coming in a little bit from the street lights, but this mist starts coming in and we feel it too. That's the thing is like, we sensed it too. You could, you could sense this shit. And it's like, fuck, I, yeah, yeah, do you, yeah, I feel it. It's right there. So we run and I'm all like, let's just go to bed, right? Let's just go to bed. We'll try to figure this shit out in the morning, but this shit's fucked up, but Nothing's ever fucked with us in this other room at this point. So we get ready for bed. We go to bed. We lay down. We turn off the lights. And within a minute, we start hearing the sound. So now what starts happening is we start hearing knocking, right? It starts knocking. Bam, 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 bam. And then I'm like, what the fuck is that, right? I'm like, hold on. What is that? What is that? Did I leave a door open, a window open? And it's just bam, bam. Then all of a sudden I noticed, that's the fucking wooden stairs. I'm like, wait, that just sounds like someone's on the stairs. But there's no one in the fucking house, right? Like, right. there's no way someone came in the house because we would hear the doors. There was like three, there's like two gate, gated doors and then a wooden door. Everything locked up. Then all of a sudden it's like more bang. Bam, bam. Then bam. And then, and then the door now. Bam, bam. Right? Into our door. So now we're freaking out. We're just sitting there like in shock. Then all of a sudden, it just goes wild, dude. Sounds like there's 20 people running up and down the stairs, banging on every wall possible. So it's all bam, 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 up and down the stairs, da, 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 da. our doors, ba, 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 ba. So at this point, you know, again, I don't know what she's feeling. I'm half in a day's half, still probably drugged out too, you know, so I'm probably chiller, but losing it too. She's just staring at me, freaked out. Right, just staring at me, and I said, "Okay, this is what we have. To, we have to fucking leave." So, you have the car keys. Fuck changing, right? Just fucking grab your purse, and the car's parked right in front of the house. So when I say three, we jump up, grab your keys, we open the door, and we run down those stairs. I'll hold your hand, but just don't open your fucking eyes. Right? We're just gonna run down these fucking Holy stairs shit. and run to the car. So I say one. One, three, and boom, we go, right? We open. Does the sound stop? No, it gets louder because we're in it now. Boom, boom, boom. And all I remember, because I was so freaked out, was I opened my eyes, and it looked like laser lights were flying all around me, like shooting by me. Like, you know, like those pictures of when people take pictures of traffic, of cars? They're just like lines of, of Right, of like right, the, like the a movement. tracer almost. So, yeah, so yeah, so light. I'm just seeing that up like so i'm just seeing that every time i open my eyes to try to kind of focus it's pitch black too so like even if we had our eyes open we weren't going to see much if we were going to if we didn't sit there and just adjust we were going to get out of there so quickly we weren't going to see anything anyway yeah but we ran out of there so quickly but when when i'm telling you when i'm running down these stairs i'm seeing tracers go right by my head right and i'm thinking like man i'm either fucked up or something's going crazy here Cause like I'm seeing this shit, like light, every color da, 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 rushing by me. We get into the, we jump in the car and we drive down to actually my house now where my parents lived. Dude, I had no shirt on, no shoes on and underwear. I didn't care to put anything on. Oh, you're just she like, let's wearing, get the fuck yeah, out of here now. Yeah. She was wearing like a t-shirt and pajama pants, no shoes. We took off with everything and drove like 20 minutes 
down to my parents' house. Wow. And I was like, dude, did you see? And she goes, the lights? I was like, yes, dude. What the fuck was that? So we get to my parents' house. I tell my parents, you know, my mom's like totally about it. And she's just like, that's fucking crazy. You know, like, I don't, man, we're both just like in shock. We're both saying the same stories. We're telling, explaining everything. And then the next day, my brother comes by and he's like, we got to go like cleanse the house. Because at this point, my brother's all like into Santeria and all this stuff. Oh, crazy. Yeah. So he's like, let me go in there and, and cleanse it. Let me go in there and cleanse it. My brother goes in there, does his thing. And then never see anything again after that. No ever. shit. Nothing ever again. Wow. And But we were in there, like, he, he had me come in and start yelling shit like, this is my, my house. Like, all that typical stuff that you see people do. My brother was asking me to do that stuff. Like, just yell and tell him this is your house. Burning sage. All of this stuff. And when I tell you that, that never happened again. It never happened again. Within a week of us, of that happening... Because we stayed there probably another year after that happened. But after my brother cleansed it, it seemed chiller. We got a couple roommates to move into the room to be with us because we were just like, man, we, we either need more people here. All right. Yeah. And yeah, af- yeah, yeah. And after that, dude, nothing ever happened. People would come over and party. No one ever saw anything. But that whole thing happened at that little house, which recently got torn down. And so that whole house is just gone now. Right. But it was gnarly, dude. And to this day, I'll never forget the lights, the smoke billowing, and the guy that was right there at the top of the staircase every every night. Wow, that's a great. Thank you so much for sharing your story, man. Yeah, that man. Absolutely <laughs> great story. Yeah. Can I get a fuck that after that story? Holy shit! Do yourself a favor. By the way, during the day with all the lights on, Google shadow man with hat and see where that takes you. It's going to take you to a strange place. I think Fernie might have seen one of those things. The man in the hat story is a common kind of apparition or whatever the fuck it is and is absolutely terrifying. Google it. Make sure you do it during the day. Not like I did. I Googled it at night. In kind of my studio area, by myself, uh, yeah, I was looking over my shoulder for fuck, hours and freaking the fuck out. Well, the next story does tie into Fernie's story a tiny bit, as the teller of the tale in this one is Mitch Wilson of No Knife, the San Diego band of all San Diego bands. Yeah, definitely one of my very favorite bands from San Diego. See, Mitch and Fernie lived in the same house at the time when this all this crazy stuff happened to Fernie. But Mitch lived in a different part of the house. The house was kind of sectioned off into separate living units or apartments or whatever. And Mitch does say he never saw anything in that house in particular. However, here are a couple tales from Mitch of a Ouija board session gone wrong and an otherworldly spirit who really didn't like those fucking guitar strings. I'd like to welcome Mr. Mitch Wilson to the I Want to Party with Bob Bobcast Ghost Stories Volume 2. And I believe Mitch has a story to tell us that might be of the unexplained or something like that. Let's hear what he has to say. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thank you. So my story, I guess I have to preface it to say 
I was living in Claremont with this group of punk rockers and it was at this place called the Bummer House and there was like eight people and three dogs and a rat and you know, all that. Sure. We would just, you know, take acid on the weekends and stand on the roof and drink beers and yell and play music and whatever. Anyways, I just remember at one point, like we were all on mushrooms and decided to do a Ouija board thing in the garage, you know, with a little space heater, it was freezing. So we got some guy, I think his name was like Nathan Thompson or something. And we were talking to him and who knows if they were pushing it or what they were doing. But we had this really interesting conversation with this gentleman from the late 1800s or something. So everybody was really excited about that, really getting into it. And, and we we're like, hey, can we contact you again? And he said, yes, but you cannot contact me before this. It has to be on this date during the full moon or, you know, whatever. I was, I was like 18. I don't remember it. I'm 50 now. So, <laughs> so we're like, okay, cool. We wrote it on the calendar and we were all excited to, you know, contact him again and talk to the spirit world. A couple of days later, I came home from work and uh, three of my roommates were in the living room and they were freaking out. I was like, what's going on? They were like, we tried to contact that guy again, but I think we got somebody else. And you know, they could have been having me on. I don't know. They were freaked out and the, the Ouija board was upside down on this table and they were using a half a pack of camels <laughs> as the, you know, the planchette. It was just. It was just like moving all around and stuff like that. And I was like, bullshit, come on. And they're like, touch it. So I touched it and it started moving around. And I was like, okay, I, I don't know how to parse this. So, but I'm freaked out. And one of my other roommates was super freaked out. And she was, she was raised in a religious upbringing. And so was I. My dad was a Southern Baptist minister. Oh, wow. So I was taught to believe in you know, shit like talking snakes and zombies and whatnot. Yeah, demons like demonic activity and stuff. Yes, yes, demons behind every corner and every single record that I bought was because <laughs> yes. of the potential for, you know. <laughs> you know I, I remember when I got my first, the, that first Christian death record, it, it, it blew my mind and I had to like hide it outside in a plastic bag <laughs> because right. I was afraid if it was in the house, it would possess my brother. You know, I, that's my mindset from where I'm coming from. Sure. Everybody had to move out of there, and the Catholic roommate that I had, we decided to get another place in North Park, which was on Florida Street, which was right down the street from the, the place where I lived next door to Fernie. We moved into this place. I was, I was moving my stuff in one day, and I had you know a big box of stuff, and I went to go put it in my closet. And it was one of those kind of little narrow walk-in closets, though, but you, the shelving, it's on each side. So I put the box up there, it's full of stuff, like well in the closet and well on the shelf. And then I go walking out to go pick up more stuff. And I hear this crash and I come back in my room and the box is upside down, but also outside the closet. So if it were to fall down, it would fall down in the closet, like well in the closet. Sure. This was outside in the middle of my room, upside down. And because of because of all that other stuff, we were just like, oh, man, something followed us. That was our thought. Because we, I should also say that like after that Ouija incident, there were there were some creepy things that and and just a really weird vibe to the house. But it's probably, you know, in our mind. So a few other things happened. Like uh, I would be reading a book and the light would turn off, and then I'd 
go and I'd turn it back on. You know those those little old lamps that you have to turn the little thing like a key or something. So I would turn the lamp back on and continue reading, and then it would turn the lamp back off. It, it, it was kind of irritating, but also kind of like what's what what's going on. So basically, at some point, I I announced to the ghost, "Hey, I'm moving in here. She's moving in here." There's nothing you can do about it, but we're nice people and let's make the best of it, you know, whatever. Sure. A couple of days after the lamp thing, I'm asleep and I'm having weird dreams. I wake up and I look and in the doorway, there's this figure and, you know, I'm coming out of the haze of fog of sleep. And I was like, oh my God, who's that in my doorway? You know? And so I said, who's there? And it was my roommate, Katie. And she came running in. She's like, ah, I want to sleep in your bed. You know, she was freaked out because she was trying to go to sleep in her room. And she was in bed. And all of a sudden, she, in the corner of her room by the closet, she saw this dark shape. And she said, who's there? Or something like that. And the dark shape, like, sprang up. And all of a sudden, the guitar strummed. That She had an acoustic guitar on a chair. The guitar strummed and it broke all the guitar strings. So she was like, bah! and she comes running into my room. She's like, I am sleeping in your room tonight, you know? So I didn't know what to do. What are you supposed to do? I don't know. Right. So basically I went into her room. I think I had a screwdriver or something. Like, I'm going to poke the ghost. <laughs> <laughs> poke you, ghost. I'm going to poke the shit out of you. So basically I, I reiterated, I was like, we live here now. We're not going to harm you. We just want peace with you, you know, things like that. And after a while, my roommate, when she would come home from work or whatnot, just started talking to the ghost as if it was, you know, a member of the house. And she'd be like, oh, I'm just getting home from work and just talking about her day and things like that. Yeah. This is back when answering machines were a thing. Sometimes early in the morning, late at night, something like that. We'd be sleeping, and then all of a sudden, the answering machine would just start turning off and on and off and on, and like making the, the click, and then the beep, and then the click, and the beep, and the click, and the beep. And finally, like I would go, shut up, and it would stop. But one morning, I think it was a Saturday morning or something, it started doing it, and it's clicking on, clicking off, clicking on, clicking off. And I was like, shut up, stop, and it wouldn't stop until my roommate got up. And she got up and she, she walked in the hallway and she goes, thank you. I forgot to set my alarm and I have an interview for a new job. And it stopped. And ever since we're like, you know what? We got a friendly ghost. It's, it's totally, it totally loves my roommate. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, we never got, you know, a name or anything like that. And there was no, we didn't see any spectral anything, but. I remember one time one of our friends came over and we were talking about the the ghostly phenomena that's going on in our house. And right as she started talking about the answering machine thing, our answering machine, which was right next to us, started clicking on, clicking off, clicking on, clicking off, clicking on. Click. And so we all had a laugh and she was like, good job. That was perfect. Perfect timing. Thank you. And it stopped. And that's my ghost story. Thanks so much for the story. I appreciate it. My pleasure. I absolutely love the answering machine part of Mitch's story. Put a ghost to work for you. 
shit, that's how you do it. Don't be afraid. Just let the ghost know what you need. Voila, there you go. That was fucking great. <laughs> the next song coming up in this episode is by No Knife, and that features Mitch Wilson on guitar and vocals. This song is not really about ghosts. However, let me kind of give it a backstory. When I got this record back in the late 1990s, I was reading a book that was kind of about ghosts called Expiration Date, written by my absolute favorite author of all time, Tim Powers. By the way, I hugely recommend both that book and that author. Anything he does, I think is gold. In this book, the story is about a kid who carries around Thomas Edison's ghost and is being chased by people who eat ghosts. That's kind of how they get by, especially very powerful ghosts like Thomas Edison. Because, for whatever reason, eating ghosts, especially the really powerful ones, will extend their life significantly. It sounds crazy. It's such a rad, rad book. What happened here is, I've always associated this song, Hitman Dreams, that's the name of the song, with ghosts. Because some of the lyrics in the song, for me personally, tie into this book. Especially the very last line of the song, I've been missing you. Because the ghosts in this story, in some ways, kind of stick around or linger because they're clinging on to their past lives, kind of missing things from their earthly life, in a way. What a fucking great book. Get it. Expiration Date by Tim Powers. No Knife, by the way, is my favorite band from my hometown of San Diego. Here they are with the song Hitman Dreams.
What a song, right? I, really, what a song. No Knife has a ton of records out. Every single one of them, an absolutely great record. Check them out. The next story up is by Greg Hetson of Bad Religion, Red Cross, The Circle Jerks. Mind you, The Circle Jerks have reunited, and you'll hear about the reissue of the group sex record at the end of Greg's tale of a strange stay in a Berlin hotel. Here it is. Welcome, Mr. Greg Hetson, to the I Want to Party with Bob, Bobcast, Ghost Stories, Volume 2, and I believe Mr. Greg has a story to tell us on this episode. Well, yes, I do. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I just want to preface this by saying, I don't know if I believe in ghost paranormal activity, but I sure as hell had one. <laughs> Fair enough. I don't know what it is. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't really question it anymore. After you have one or two weird things happen that are verified by more than one person, then, yeah, it happened. We were finishing up a bad religion tour in Germany one year, and a couple of us were staying behind for a few days to have a vacation. I was at the ho- at a hotel with our sound guy who was going to take a little vacation with me afterwards, travel through Europe. And we get to the hotel, whatever, we check in, we do our thing. I go to bed, I'm, I'm asleep, and I wake up and the TV's on. And I'm the kind of person who could not sleep through noise, especially a TV set on. Uh. I don't like having the, the noise in the background. I'm like, weird, maybe I rolled over on the uh, remote control. So I looked at that and that was not there. It was like on the nightstand. I'm like, didn't think anything of it. You know, wake up again, and it seems like there's, like, a, a the window is, is rattling like it's partially open, not closed all the way. So I get up to make sure the window's closed, and it was totally closed. I looked outside. It wasn't windy. I'm thinking, I don't know. I'm just imagining things. Whatever. Wake up again, maybe kind of right, you know, right when the, the sun is coming up, and I wake up, and there's this figure at the, at the end of my bed, and... It looked like, you know, like a, a bellman or a, you know, something like that, you know, or a... a like an employee of a hotel, hotel or something like that. An employee, like yeah, he was in a uniform. It looked like, you know, I don't know what, what year it was. It was not current. It was 20s, 30s, could be 40s. But it was, you know, long tails, you know, kind of fancy button up to whatever, you know, six buttons, you know, a yeah. whole bit. And it kind of was like lean, leaning over and it, I felt like this thing was checking on me. I'm like, that was weird. That's a weird dream I just had. Went back to bed. Anyway, woke up, getting ready to check out the next day to start our European adventure. I'm talking to our sound guy who was checking out. He goes, man, the weirdest thing happened to me. And I see him like kind of look back like, yeah, what? And I'm like, well, you know, I woke up and the TV was on. He goes, really? I'm like, yeah. And, and I didn't roll over on my remote. He goes, and then did you wake up and there was rattling on your window? <laughs> and then at that point we're just like fuck this is crazy <laughs> and then it's like did you see the guy yeah i saw the guy so the both both of us had the exact same experience happen in the same chronological order but it wasn't scary wow it was just creepy in two different rooms or in the same you weren't in two the same di- room? two different rooms different floors same hotel in berlin you know i'm glad we're checking out not that we were scared but it was just like okay this is weird Anything you'd like to mention? Anything that's going on with you that you care to let people know about? Yeah, coming out next month is the 40th anniversary of the Circle Jerks Group Sex album. I actually just got a, a copy of the whole thing today. It's really nice. It has uh, some bonus tracks of uh, garage rehearsal from like 1980, one of our first rehearsals. 
and a lovely like 20 page booklet with photos and wow. testimonials. And so it's pretty cool. It's, a, it's on a new label called Trust Records. They're putting it out. And uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. Well, Greg, thank you very much for telling your story. I really appreciate it. Yeah. And all the best, man. All right. Same. Same to you. Thanks for having me. What a great story. Thank you so much, Greg, for that story. Interesting that two people in two different hotel rooms of the same hotel saw the exact same thing. Very interesting. I think up next is the final story of this episode, as told to me by Ron Martinez, the singer of the band Final Conflict and bassist in The Lower Class Brats. Kind of a tie-in to Greg's story? Well, eh, sort of, kind of. Ron's story also has an element of this eerie event being experienced and verified by more than one person, just like in Greg's story. Hmm, very interesting. Here's Ron to tell his tale of some very weird suburban goings-on in Orange County, California. Well, welcome Ron Martinez of Lower Class Brats, Final Conflict, and Crawl Space Booking to the I Want to Party with Bob Ghost Stories Part 2 episode. And I believe Ron has a ghost story about a punk house he lived in back in the 90s for us today. Hey, Bob. Before we start this, I will clarify a couple things because I'm, I'm kind of a, a fact-based science guy, and I don't want to come across as a hardcore skeptic or a believer. I honestly do not know if there are ghosts or paranormal because sure. I have I've watched a couple of like the ghost hunting shows and there's been more than often than not I've watched them and went, this is a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> like or these guys really wish there were ghosts. Like this is yeah, whatever. So I'm gonna state like just hardcore facts of what I dealt with in this house and and also uh, anything that I say is a fact, like like that I experience. Anything I say that my roommates is strictly what they told me. Sure. I I don't know if this house had ghosts, but I do know that there was some weird shit going on that I can't explain, and was definitely in the behavior of of a ghost. And I was told not by one, not by two, but but throughout the course of the house of, of having this house, having five different people tell me their experiences of them seeing things, not just hearing things, you know? So I've, con- I've constantly said there's something up with that house and it could definitely be haunted. Interesting. All right. But, but I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm a, I'm a very cynical guy by nature, but they're definitely, I'm not just going to say, Oh, it was a house settling. There's no fucking way based <laughs> upon like what I dealt with. This was not a house settling. So anyway, this was, we moved into this house in Buena Park, California in about 1989. And for about six years, in and out was a bunch of, of local punks like, uh, from different bands, like Kevin Murphy, who used to be in Farside and 411, and other bands lived there. A buddy of mine, Vadim Rubin, also lived there. He was, at the time, the drummer of an old hardcore band from the 80s called Half Off. And all of us were either had day jobs or going to school and then also had the house to rehearse in. And it was very in a very mom and pop family neighborhood, very suburban. It was a four bedroom house. Yeah, there was four bedrooms. It had two living rooms, a large kitchen, and a lot of bands would end up staying at our house when they were on tour. And the, the, the house was called the Fat House. 
because all of us were a bunch of little skinny bitches and we would just indulge in junk food and everyone who would stay with us would indulge in junk food and we would just make jokes about one, you know, we're going to get fat living this way. And so it just started to get called the fat house. Like Green Day would stay there. The Black stayed there. Neurosis stayed there. Like tons of bands. Like our house was like the crash house had whenever bands played LA and Orange County, they would stay in our place. Okay. So the first incident was, it was, uh, I remember it was a Sunday and a bunch of us like were all watching television in the living room. And I was dating this girl and she was, she's crazy. <laughs> she was chemically imbalanced and we're watching TV. And all of a sudden she just goes, Whoa, Holy shit. And she literally jumps up and, and we're, we're like, what? Yeah. She goes, I just saw a ghost. And we're like, what she and she points at our at our patio sliding glass doors and she points at it and she goes right there I saw a ghost it was a guy and he was staring at us and when I noticed him he he raised his hand to his forehead and I blinked and he disappeared now again this girl was pretty nutty and and, and stuff so I was just like oh god yes yeah sure you know and we had a dog in the backyard and I go, maybe you saw the reflection of the dog. And she was like, no, no, I saw a ghost and it was a man. And my roommate, she just happened to be looking where none of us were looking at the time. We were all watching a video and she happened to look. Okay. So fast forward a year and a half later, we, we used to play a lot of tricks on each other a lot in that house a lot like, of practical jokes kind of things yeah yeah a lot of practical jokes and like one of the ones that kevin used to love to do to us and and we would do it to each other was we used kevin had these life-size stand-up cutouts of spock and um, captain kirk and when you would if you would come in the house at nighttime and it was the, the lighting was coming in right it you it looked like you were seeing a shadowy figure in the house it would freak you out like that there was someone standing there, you know? Yeah. So we would always like every once in a while, we knew someone was coming late. Like we would like put the standups like right in the door. So like we'd move, open up, move them around we'd, the like, house. Right. <laughs> yeah. We would, we would move them all over the house and we'd constantly do that. But the main place that they would always say would be in the living. So, and I only say this, is, there was no ghost incident, but just to understand the vibe of the house, we were all goofing off all the time. I was home by myself in the early evening. And nobody else is in the house. I was, I was quiet. I was reading. I was reading a book, and all of a sudden, I could hear one of my roommates walking on the opposite side of my bedroom wall. There was there was actually a walkway that went along one of the bedrooms, and then it would curve to the left, and you could go either to the kitchen or you could go to the other bedrooms. It was it was really weird. And I can hear someone walking around. And so I just said, hey, you guys finally come home? And I don't know, a minute or so passed. And I realized that nobody had answered. So I just kind of went, mm, I must have been hearing things. Maybe a half an hour go by. And I, and it, this was carpeted floors. But you know when you're in a house and somebody is walking on it, or even when you're walking it, you can hear the, the feet pressing on the right, yeah, pressing on the carpet. And you can maybe hear, like if you do it at night, you can hear the, the floor like squeaking a little bit or the wall. 
that's what I was hearing. I started hearing it again. And I say quickly, all right, quit fucking around. Who's here? And the footsteps keep going and there's no answer. And I hear the footsteps and they go, like I said, the footfalls along the carpet. And then I also hear them on the tile, meaning that if someone was walking, they went walking down the hallway and then walked into the kitchen and stopped. So I got up and I went, you know, I walked out of my room and I walked in the kitchen and there's nobody there. And then that's when I got a little freaked out because for a second I thought someone's running around and I'm like, all right, Kevin, you know, which one of you guys is screwing around? No sent, no, no one responds. So I'm like, okay. A few days later, I'm with my roommates and I tell them what happened. And I'm like, man, some weird stuff happened while you guys were gone. And I, I tell them about the footsteps and nonchalantly two of my roommates goes, oh yeah, that's the ghost. Oh, what? And I'm like, what? And he goes, yeah, like, he goes, yeah, it walks along the hallway and it stops in the kitchen, right? Like, like, and it sounds like it would stop, like, right, like, by the sink, right? And I'm like, yeah, that's exactly. I go, but the, here's the weird thing is, I actually, if it's a ghost, I mean, why would it weigh anything? Why would I hear the pad? And he goes, look, man, we've had the same thing happen. I, I thought you knew. We've all talked about this. And I said, not to me. And they're like, that's its thing. That's what it does. And I'm like, Okay, that's weird. Fast forward, I don't know, maybe a year later, I have a friend from Britain visiting, and he happens to be sleeping in the kind of the area where our band equipment is set up. It's it, and it's basically in between my bedroom wall and that walkway. He's sleeping right in between that, and I remember thinking, man, I hope we don't have that ghost thing or whatever it is show up while Baz is here. Because I'd hate for if, if that thing is whatever if that's true. I hope it doesn't freak him out. And sure enough, like within ten minutes of me thinking that, I can hear hear the, the sound of somebody walking on the carpet, and I immediately get up. This had to have been about two or three in the morning, and everybody else in the house was asleep. I was still up reading because uh, I was I'm all, still to this day I'm I'm up late, and I immediately went and walked to my doorway. Because I knew that that sound would come closer to me. Like if, if it was a ghost, in fact, it would have to walk right by me because my door, my doorway was right at the end of that hallway. Yeah. And so I immediately went and ran and I was quiet and I just stood there and I didn't feel anything cold. I didn't smell burning toast. I didn't or anything. But sure enough, that sound. And I, was, I looked at the carpet. There was no impressions. There was no nothing but that sound. And I could, like I said, the settling of the floor, that everything was made, and it went into the kitchen and it stopped. I immediately looked, stuck my head further out of my doorway, and I see that my friend Baz is asleep on the couch, and he's got his back to me. So I'm like, okay, good. Like, Whatever that, whatever that is happening, at least he didn't have to, he didn't freak out because he ain't sleeping in my room. Get up in the morning and we're, we're having breakfast and my friend Baz just pops in and he goes, so how did, did you have a good night last night? And I said, I guess so. It was fine. He goes, you know, your house is haunted, right? And I just, me and Kevin look at each other and we're like, what are you talking about? He goes, yeah, your fucking house is haunted. Whatever it is that you have in here, it walked. Oh, I heard it walk down the hallway, it stopped at your room, it went left, and it walked into the kitchen. I fucking heard it. And I was like, 
Oh man. Um, yeah, I, I heard it too. I actually kind of got worried that you hear it and freak out. He goes, I did freak out. I fucking flipped over and buried my face in the fucking, <laughs> into, into the cushions. I'm like, oh, I thought you were asleep. He goes, no, man, I was shitting my pants. <laughs> so after these experiences, I was like, well, Debbie wasn't crazy at all. Maybe she actually did see something, or maybe that was a coincidence when she claimed she saw it. So th- there was never anything weird like that it had ever happened in the home, like things went missing. Or uh, we would leave a room and then all the toilet paper would be stacked in geometric shapes or anything. Right. Never had anything with that. At least my experience was was that the, the the presence of somebody that walked would walk down that hallway and it would stop at the kitchen. Now, after a while, all my friends ended up they either they either like went to different colleges or got their own places, and I ended up being the only one that the only punk that stayed in the house, and I actually had moved in. My nephew, his his girlfriend, and their son, and I ended up sharing the house with them. They ended up taking over the master bedroom, which was mine originally. I took one of the smaller rooms, so they were living they were living on the side of the house now and occupying that part, while I was on the other side. They were they're very straight people, really really nice and stuff. At the time, my my nephew's girlfriend was a very religious very religious girl and for some way it it came up and they were like we'll ask ron about it like they were talking and they and i was like what are you talking about i said have you ever had any experiences with ghosts in this house and i was like oh great why are you asking and they were like because we saw it the other day and i'm like wait you saw the ghost and they were like yeah you weren't here we were we were out in the front doing yard work and watering the lawn and we saw someone in the fucking kitchen looking at us out the window and we freaked out because we thought it was like a homeless person or something that had come in the other side of the house ray ran into the, ran into the house to go get him out and nobody was there and i'm like uh and they're like what and i'm like you're the second person are you, are you sure it was a man was a guy it's like my uh, my nephew's girlfriend she goes yes I, I clearly it was a man in the house and I was like well that's really unusual because many you know X amount of years ago my girlfriend claims that she saw a ghost in our living room and it was a man she goes no no we saw it and then as time moved on I I was told other things by Julia my nephew like I said my nephews had a son so my second nephew supposedly according to Julia she had caught my nephew, my, my nephew, nephew talking to the ceiling and he was just babbling, like talking to his imaginary friend, you know, whatever. And so she says, Isaiah, who are you speaking to? And he goes, I'm, I'm speaking to my friend. And he kept pointing at the ceiling. He goes, I'm speaking to my friend, the man up there. And she claims that that had happened a couple times that she would catch him talking, just friendly talking to his friend, the man, and would, would always point in, in like at a cupboard or whatever. And she thought that Isaiah had seen, could actually see him and would try to communicate with him. Like, again, I don't know about that. She tended to be a little, she was a very superstitious person sure. uh, by nature or anything like that. But I do believe that they think they saw somebody in the kitchen though. 
you know, and, and they too had, had told me that they had heard the footfalls and go to the kitchen and they had always thought that it was me getting up in the middle of the night. Yeah. Right. And they go, we always thought it was weird because you had your own bathroom on the other side of the house, but we thought that you, maybe you were walking by, you know, to go get something out of the, out of the living room or something or, and you were going into the kitchen. I was like, no, I wouldn't walk by your bed. I wouldn't need to walk by your bedroom if I went get something out of the fridge or anything like that. Yeah, it sounds like that's a roundabout way to get to where you were trying to go if that was the case. Yeah, so so again, whatever that is, if it was some sort of energy or whatever, it definitely has a pattern. And I still live very close to that house. I've actually walked by it multiple times. And I haven't seen anybody that, you know, that anybody who lives there come out. And I've always, though, I've, I've kind of committed myself the idea of asking if I ever walk by and whoever lives there and asking them like, Hey, I don't want to freak you out. I used to live in this house. I want to ask you if you've ever had anything of a paranormal thing happen to you in here. Right. Because again, I, I don't know how to explain this. And again, I'm a very much a skeptic. I think a lot of the paranormal stuff that you, that is actually made a TV shows of it is bullshit. Sure. But that's what I experienced. It happened to me in front of me with and, and happened to people who I trust who had no reason to make any of this stuff up. We weren't playing pranks on each other like that because that was the one thing that everyone joked about, but they didn't joke about this presence in our house. I actually, once the internet got going, I actually tried to find if there had been a death in the house, yeah. murder or anything weird in it. Nothing, nothing shows up like on, on any kind of police records or anything like that. But if I ever do, when I walk by that home, I am going to ask them like if they've ever seen anything, you know, cause, cause it was, it's, it's, it's genuinely unusual and it's a cool story that I can tell. And, and that's my experience with a paranormal. Is there anything you'd like to kind of mention that you might have going on with lower class brats or final conflict or anything like that? Let's see, Final Conflict, because of COVID, we're on a break right now, can't rehearse, and as soon as COVID's done, we're going to start rehearsing, because we were about to start writing a brand new album, but due to our guitar player's wife is a nurse, it's just not safe, because he's always at risk of getting it, and he doesn't want to spread it to anybody. For the Brats, we have been able to rehearse, and we're currently writing a new album, writing new material, and you know, staying as active as possible, but we will have a brand new album. It's already done. It was delayed because of COVID. That will be out in February. It's called Tales of the Wild, the Ugly, and the Damned. And that will be out in February 2021. We're constantly moving, and, and um, we've been offered some streaming live shows. We just don't know if we're going to do. Right now, we're focused on writing and, and rehearsal. So playing live on streaming is just not something we're focused on but it might become our normal for a while like it might be the you know uh, a new standard as far as like anything else i want to plug i know a lot of bands are saying buy our merch and et cetera, et cetera. but what i really want to stress is that anyone that listens to this that loves independent music there's a couple of things that i'd like them to consider is to go to the website of your your favorite local venue and see if they're taking donations or selling merchandise to stay afloat it's really important that these these venues are able to sustain this pandemic so they're around when this is lifted and we can go back to live shows so if you want to do anything to support 
you know, support your local scene, support your local venue, because it's, it's really tough right now for, yeah. for every, for everybody, but especially them. And like without local venues, we don't have a place to play. Yep. Like, and um, we don't need, you know, we appreciate someone buying some merch from us, but it's not as needed as, as, as far as your local community. Another thing that I would like to plug is uh, as a booking agent for Crawl Space, we're also aligned with an organization called the National Independent Talent Organization. And our website is NITOLIVE, N-I-T-O, live, L-A-V-E, dot org. And if you go onto the site, you can quickly hit a few links to send a letter that will, you just put your, your information, like your zip code, and it will tell you your local congressperson and send a form letter on your behalf telling them that you want our government to do something to help small businesses, small independent venues with some sort of stimulus. Right now, both the Democrats and the Republicans are sitting there in a big huff with their arms folded and lines drawn in the sand and over, you know, who's got a bigger dick? Well, both of them are dicks because a lot of working class people are out of jobs and, and out of work. And we're at the point where this mismanagement of the pandemic is their fault. And they need, they need to step up and help out the, the working people of this country. Absolutely. And so the more letters that you get to your congressperson and senator, it really does make a difference. It really helps. Like, I actually have an, an, an aide from my local congressman that keeps in touch with me and lets me know, like, through phone, through email, you know, I let him know my story as an independent business person, and I actually got a response. It really does wow. work when you put a scare into these people and say, I don't know if I can vote for you if you're not going to watch out for my best interest. How do I look out for yours when you don't look out for mine? Yeah. So that's really the main thing I want to plug is support your local scene, support your local venues, your local record shops, you know, your local businesses. And if anything else, go to needalive.org, take a look at that. And it, it takes less than two minutes to just send this form letter, letting people know what live music means to you and, and our community and help keep it alive. Awesome, Ron. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you talking to me. Thank you for asking. What a story from Ron. Holy shit. It, first of all, Ron is a really great storyteller. I mean, the details he can remember from 30 years ago. My favorite part of this story is when his friend from the UK was on the couch in his house saying this fucking house is haunted. <laughs> that was so great. Again, confirmation by multiple people. Crazy. It's very interesting. I absolutely loved every story in this episode. Ron's story though, really brought this episode to a close in a very special and spectral style. I would say, didn't it? Well, that's it. That's going to do it for this episode. I hope you were entertained and enthralled by these tales from regions beyond. Goddamn, a huge thank you to all the contributors of this episode with their stories. Billy Liar, Ryan Disney, Jesse Wagner, Amanda Paulson, Fernando Cruz, Mitch Wilson, Greg Hetson, and last but definitely not least, Ron Martinez. Thank you all so, so incredibly much. Best of luck to all of you in the contest for favorite story. By the way, as the contributors to this episode, we'll also win the same prize package as you, the listener, could win if you vote for your favorite story. 
Check out all my social media accounts and the Bobcast webpage for this episode for more info and the details on those prizes. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and the www.iwantapartywithbob.com website are the places you can vote for your favorite story and check out the prize package as well. The best stories ever told in podcast form, and you can win a prize just for listening? God, what a deal. Seriously, what a deal. I know. Thank you, Bob. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Bob. I, I appreciate it. Thank you, Bob, you got it. Please do take note of what Ron said at the end of his story, though. Check out and sign the letter to be sent to your representatives and help save live music. It's so, so absolutely incredibly important. It'll only take a couple minutes of your time. Go to www.nitolive.org. That's www.nitolive.org. A pop-up comes right up. Click on that pop-up, fill out the form, hit send. So easy, and it could really help out so many people that are hurting right now. Thank you in advance for doing that. Please do do that. I would really appreciate it. I did it. It literally took me one minute to do it. It was so easy, so do it, please. Thank you to this episode's sponsors and the providers of the prizes for the Ghost Stories contest in this episode. You both rule so, so much. Discount Cemetery, Wicked Monster Workshop. Thank you both so much. Check them both out. Buy some stuff. Help support small businesses that make some insanely rad stuff. Coming up is going to be the very last song of this episode, a cover of the Psychedelic Furs song, the Ghost in You, as performed by the band Dear Boy. And what a band. Really kind of dreamy guitars, kind of that like late 80s and 90s guitar sound from the UK especially. I love this shit. I absolutely love it. This band is absolutely incredible. Listen to the song. Obviously, listen to it, please. And then go on YouTube and check out some of the other Dear Boy songs. They're so great. I found them by accident just looking for a cover of that psychedelic first, the Ghost in You song. I'm really glad I did because I cannot stop listening to this band. I love them so much. Links will be on the Bobcast website for all of the bands featured in this episode. Plus, you can find all the legal mumbo-jumbo for the songs that were used in the intro part, in the ads, and in the ghost stories parts of this episode. Some really talented and generous people provided those songs for free. Check out the Bobcast website for this episode. Take a look at the people that made the music of this episode possible. They are awesome. The very last thing, thank you for listening. Don't forget, subscribe, rate, and review the Bobcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Stay tuned for all the Halloween fun we're going to have in the month of Bobtober. I can't wait to keep this going, keep Bobtober going, and I'd love for you to join me this month and every month. You know, there's always room for one more and all that. Exactly. Here's Dear Boy with the song, the ghost in you. Mm-hmm.